Constructing your life is about much more than just building a bank account. Each week, join real estate entrepreneur and mindset coach Austin Linney as he interviews guests who are constructing their dream lives and impacting the world around them on a daily basis. If you're an entrepreneur or wanting to start a business, or you just want to hear motivating stories of how others have overcome the odds, you are in the right place. And now for your host, Austin Linney. Guys, welcome to Construct Your Life. This is Austin Liddy here. I have a knot in the house. How are you doing? I'm doing amazing. Thank you. Good to be here. Wonderful. And so what what an interesting world. Like we were just talking about how I interviewed uh, Julianne this morning. And now I have you in the same day and you weren't even supposed to be on this day. So I love how the universe uh, puts that together. So you know, in, in true fashion, I don't know much about you. Uh, I was, you know, we got connected through people like we typically do. And so here we are. And uh, so I like to let my guests kind of tell their story and and, and kind of go from there and wherever they want to start it. We'll, we'll kind of see where it leads. Awesome. Sounds good. You just want me to kick off with my story. Okay. You, well, you know, you born... could start, you <laughs> could start last week. You could start, you know, when you were two, it's really totally up to you, you know? Yeah, well, I'll say, speaking of last week, I, I literally just got home from uh, Denver, Colorado, okay. Estes Park. Um, uh, we were leading a retreat. Yes. Um, let me tell you, going from living in San Diego, which the elevation <laughs> is 62, 62, not 6,200, 62, 62 to 9,200 in the same day. What did it? Don't can I recommend I, it. Can I ask you, I mean, this is a true story. This is, this is yeah. amazing. This is, this is why the world is amazing. So yeah. we just moved to Lake Tahoe like oh, yeah. mm-hmm. a month ago. So we're uh-huh. at like eight to 9,000. And for the last month, I've kind of been like, I haven't been like terrible, but I don't feel amazing. It's yeah. only been the last like four days where I, I've been cold plunging in the uh, lake at like 50 degrees. Nice. And I finally have my step back. And I really, now that you say that, I really think it's the elevation. That's what my masseuse oh, said. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. It's a huge adjustment, you know, to get the same amount of oxygen. And for me, particularly, I have a low red blood cell count. Mm-hmm. And the ones that I do have are are large, dark, whatever the heck that means. All I know is um, it's harder for me in higher elevations to get enough oxygen. So, yeah, I had a headache for like two days and insomnia the first night. I could literally feel my heart like pounding, working twice as hard. And um, what was the retreat I'm, about? I'm so happy to be home. <laughs> yes. Well, well, not to mention. It's not fair. So here's the problem. <laughs> Anybody that lives in San Diego is not allowed to complain about anything. That's my rule on life. Like La Jolla, <laughs> La Jolla, Encinitas area. So we'll be down yeah. in San we'll be down in San Clemente with a bunch of Angelo Cisco. A bunch yeah. of coaches are coming to the East Coast. My birthday's in December, so we're gonna hang out in San Clemente. And when I'm there, I feel mm-hmm. like it's a it's a dream world sometimes. You, you you're walking down the street and you're like, what? This is just yeah. so beautiful. It's, it's it's really an amazing spot. Yeah. Yeah. Too bad there isn't a good retreat center there. That. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, what was the retreat about? Well, it was my retreat with my co-facilitator, Chris, and um, really taking people to the next version of themselves. 
whatever that up level is, um, unblocking wherever they're stuck, doing deep, deep somatic work, deep healing work, um, as well as uh, doing some fun connection exercises. Like we had improv one night and, um, you know, really connecting the men had a session that was just the men. And some of them really needed that to get permission again to, to be in their masculine and what it looks like to be in like healthy masculine. And um, yeah, then the men and women came back together and we got to do some healing between men and women, you know, the things that make women feel safe and letting a man know what that is for women to share what has them feel unsafe with a man and just to be witnessed and heard in that some women that was huge so a lot of healing a lot of connection and a lot of up leveling happened amazing we're about to i'm gonna host my first real one so i've done like four events across the country but this is like real paid coaching and so uh you know it's that environment invokes you know people to be greater than they are in a, in yeah. a typical day right because the energy in that room says you said it. I'm safe. We're going to share. Maybe I wouldn't share this if I was at home, but mm-hmm. here it's like, you know, I, there's two versions of me. There's vacation Austin and there's work Austin. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, vacation Austin sits in a cheese shop for two hours in France. You know, right. this guy would never, I would never do that. I think I have like 14 Zoom calls today, you know, like, but that's, but that's the way I, I do my schedule is I front load my week. Right. So it's that, it's that statement that you said that they want, you know, men, especially mm-hmm. like when's the last time they, you know, they got to say what they wanted to say or like step into that. Right. And that's what it's funny enough. That's what Julianne said was, was like, you know, there's so many, like, I told her like being a man these days is like nutrition facts. We don't know what to do anymore. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yes. no, you're too masculine. You're not masculine enough. You're, 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 you know, you're, it's just like, we don't even know like where to go anymore. It's really hard. It's like in a Rubik's cube. Yeah. There, there wasn't, unfortunately, most of us didn't have the modeling for the ideal roles that we want to live in today. So we've had to unlearn what was modeled to us to break that generational trauma and to find the models for it, to create the model for it, to really get that you're the creator of your life and that you don't have to live playing out someone else's script. Mm-hmm. That once you recognize it, you clear it out, you grieve it sometimes, you scream it out, whatever, whatever the emotion is that's held you uh, in that identity. But then you get to really invent yourself Say what what does my heart want? What lights me up? I get I have a say in the matter of my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and I tell everybody, uh, you know, I was an alcoholic for 20 years and you know, oh. a drug addict before that. And, you know, I've been sober like a little under three years. It's actually not the quitting of the alcohol. Yes, that's a that's its own thing. But it's more of that I don't know who I am away from the alcohol. Yeah. It became your identity. It started out, I imagine, as a protector, 
mm-hmm. is what is what I call it, a way mm-hmm. to protect yourself and numb out to not experience, relive, feel something um, that you didn't want to feel, I imagine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You'd be uh, correct, and, yes. <laughs> yes. And, uh, and then it just becomes, yeah, I mean, 20 years, it becomes your identity. You don't mm-hmm. even... It, you don't even remember who you no. are without that. No, not at all. Uh, how does Congratulations. one? Thank you, thank you. <sighs> and then I got my heart ripped open in my coaching session on Monday, so we're officially <laughs> over it. Over it. <laughs> I cried for like two days. So you know when you open up those yeah. big wounds, you know when somebody's yeah, good for you. Thank you. When somebody's stuck in the identity. I, I I mean, it might as well be called an identity loop because they they can't get out of it. How do they even, how do you even begin? I think that's probably the number one question I get all the time. Where do you even go? Yeah. Well, what I take my clients through is what I call five stages of healing, five stages of transformation. So stage one is awareness, right? So welcome. You're aware, right? Just like in, in the 12 step program, first step is <laughs> yeah. like admitting it's true. There's, there's awareness, but sometimes awareness is a lot more than just what you came for. Like many people come to my retreat and they're like, here's my intention. (laughs) And then they get 10 other things they didn't expect. So there's awareness. And then there's like, okay, now I'm really ready to be shown uh, the full garden, not just one weed in the garden. Mm -hmm. But um, anyway, so with that question in mind, people asking that question are already at stage one. They're already aware of this identity. And um, stage two is very important. And I'd say it's the one that in my 17 years of experience in self-development, I'd say people don't understand and they skip because they, and they skip it because they don't understand the importance of it. And that stage is called acceptance. And acceptance doesn't just mean, yeah, yeah, I accept it. It means, whoa, accepting this means I have to feel something that I have not wanted to feel for a very long time. So so I'll I'll give you an example of of a client of mine. She was, uh, she was, she was physically and verbally abused by her single mom. Um, growing up. And I I just had her at my retreat. And um, the what she didn't her her unconsciously as a little girl, her protector, what she said to herself was, well, I must deserve this. And she's worked with many, she told me she's worked with like four different therapists, you know, healers, whatever, over the years around this and thought that she moved past it because she forgave her mom. But there she was working with me at this retreat and I helped her see, I was like, uh, no, forgiving her is one thing accepting that as much as your little girl wanted a mommy that was kind and loving and would play with her. I was like, you have to accept the fact that your mom was mean and physically and verbally abusive to you. And that the way that you protected yourself from ever feeling that is to tell yourself that you deserve it, that you deserved it. And so now 
by you feeling that, accepting that, there's going to be a lot of grief, I imagine, that comes up. Maybe some anger, whatever it is. And if you haven't moved through that, then you haven't accepted it, that that was the reality. And so I'd say that's one of the most important steps. Um, and sometimes it looks like, you know, like a big T trauma, like that abuse. And, and sometimes it looks like something smaller that, that again, as, as children, we're so designed to, um, uh, as humans, we're designed to, to protect ourselves, to survive. We're, we're, we're programmed for survival. So, so we're going to come up with some way to survive it. But what happens is if it, is it leaves, it leaves, it, it, it was like a redirect. It was like, um, what is it when a road is closed and a detour, detour. <laughs> take this detour, but then you was... never. And, and so, you know, for, for my client that I just shared about how it showed up in her life is she didn't see that unconsciously she's trying to understand her mother still. And she's not a mother yet herself. So she didn't reenact it with a child, mm -hmm. but she was reenacting it in certain ways with her boyfriend. Cause Again, it's an open loop. I'm trying to understand, I'm trying to understand, I'm trying to understand. It's like there's nothing to understand. There's to deeply and vulnerably accept that this was it and then grieve it. And, and there's this part of you that may always be a little sad and you have to accept that that's what that part feels like. And the more you give that part love, allow that part to be a part of you, uh, the more whole you become, the more it starts being so right there in front of your face. It just becomes normal that a part of you feels this way. It's like the most, this is the most awkward I felt in an interview because everything, you're, <laughs> everything you're saying is like just what I dealt with on Monday. And it's so divine. It, no, it's, it's so divine. It's so, it's so fucking perfect. Right. Because Here's the rub. It's four words switched around that change 25 years of abusing myself. The, the sentence was, my, you, my father left me. Mm -hmm. But the new sentence is, my father left himself. Mm -hmm. Do you know what that changes for me in my brain? It's going to take me three months to unpack all the men in my life mm -hmm. who have been put up on an invisible pedestal on imaginary expectations mm -hmm. and see, they did yeah. it to me again. Look at them. I knew they were going to do it. I knew yeah. they were going to do it. And yeah, I, I saw that two years ago and that's what started this fix. But, mm -hmm. but your, your point about acceptance, there wasn't yeah. true acceptance until Monday. Yeah, which brought up a lot of grief, right? A lot of sadness, oh. a lot of heartbreak. Yeah, Dude, don't about, turn, like, don't it. turn on, don't turn on an Adele song around me right now. I'll fucking <laughs> just lose it. You know? What I'm yeah, saying? and and Austin, like, that's it, and that's something that you couldn't handle at that young age. Like my client mm -hmm. with a single mom, if she were to accept, like, or even understand, like, mom is mean, mom's abusive, mom shouldn't be doing this to me she doesn't know how to love me and give me the things that I need. 
um, would be would be detrimental. <laughs> Mom's supposed to be your 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 survival um, network, right? So, so by design, we can't was, handle it at that. Yeah, age. and I just finished a Brene Brown book, and I can't find the quote, but basically, she said. Look, if somebody in your life, she was talking about a mom and she said, it's easier for me to be angry and accept that I can just be angry because if I was sad that they wouldn't be who I wanted them to be, that hurts more. Yeah. When I heard that, I was like, oh my God, it makes so much sense because it's so much easier to bring on the pain of emotion. Like, see, look, look what they did to me instead of Mm -hmm. saying like, no, your parent is growing up and it doesn't coincide that I just had a two hour conversation with my mom on Sunday, but it doesn't coincide that they're, they're learning just the same. Like Mm -hmm. you're learning your clients learning. And when she's a mom, she'll be better for it. Like, but we don't see that with those lens because we're always judging and saying, why aren't you the best? It's easier to to project than to actually feel, um, or that's what we learned. It's actually really easy to feel. It's the labels. Most people, when they think of feeling, they're like, okay, Austin, here's your pick. Happy, <laughs> horny, um, depressed, and angry. Which one are you picking? That's pretty Happy, easy. Happy, horny, yeah. every day. Yeah. Right? Um, but these are just labels to, if you go one level deeper at the root of it, it's all sensation. It's mm. just energy in your body. So when we say this is painful, that's the mind labeling it as painful mm. with a lot of memories. If you go to, well, Austin, where, where do you feel this in your, in your body? Oh, it's in, 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 in my chest and my heart. Okay. Describe it. Mm-hmm. Does it have a color, a shape, a size, a texture? Is it constricted? Is it open? Is it hollow? Is it heavy? Then what's happening is you're being with the experience that you're actually having at the level of experience, at the level of felt oh sensation, God, so instead of at the level of the mind, which is going to judge it, happy, horny, good, anxious, uh, mm-hmm. you know, sad, bad, and it, it blocks it. So the shift is to start to allow the, 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 the body wisdom to take the lead. Mindset's mm-hmm. important. Yeah. I spent, I spent 10 years doing cognitive mindset sure. work before I discovered that there's a thing called the body that actually well, well, knows how to heal itself it's, and it's, how to okay. regulate. Okay. This is where I've been the last six to nine months. So meaning one of the things, uh, my buddy, who's a shaman out of LA said like, dude, healers need healers. Like you're taking on your client's energy of drug addiction. There are all those things. He said, if you don't go get work, you will be in trouble. And so I met this bodywork guy out of Austin. Now I have two in Tahoe and it is blowing my mind. Them releasing energy from my drug addiction, my alcoholism, my, my divorce, all this stuff. Right. But what I found works for me best and is the easiest quick is the fasting. So I do a 24 hour fast every week and I've done three days, but what's wild to me is in that moment, of hunger. You go, you breathe and you're like, okay. And then boom, it passes just like that. And you're like, wait, well, well, hold on, hold on. What did I just do here? Okay. Well, I'm not really hungry. It was this 
feeling this moment of like sensation and, and you just breathe through it and it's really teaching and i'm sure this is the work that you do it's really teaching me how really powerful the mind is yeah. because these loops right and these sensation of your body healing and like my girlfriend doesn't take any medicine it's all spiritual like it's really like even when i get a really negative thought these days like i'll just kind of like you know like just breathe and like and like, dude, it just kind of washes away. I'm, and this, I'm really new to this stuff, but I'm starting to understand <laughs> love it. the magnitude it's, of it. It's really powerful, man. Yeah. There's such a power in, in our breath in mm -hmm. uh, one of the, uh, uh, I'll give your, your listeners here a, a tool that they can start practicing. One of the things that keeps us um, in our minds and not in our bodies um, is that we don't feel safe. Mm -hmm. And so I coined a term called priming safety. Just like if you were mm. your, your wall there, I see is a dark color. Yeah. And if we wanted to paint it yellow, what would we have to do in between? Well, we got to prime it. Prime it. So if you want to move from the mind to the body, you got to reconnect it here. You got to prime it with safety. So Austin, how does someone sit when they're scared? Mm, um, you know, they're kind of like, like a little back, you know, hands crossed kind of thing. Yeah. Or even curled up with their knees yeah, curled up, up, right? Yeah. Either, yeah. Either yeah. way, protecting yeah, yeah, yeah. the front of their body, the, the mm -hmm. organs, the heart, right? So how does one sit when they feel safe? They're open. They're, yep. they're more, they're more like they can breathe like their chest. Yes. Is, yeah. I learned Spine that. I learned, I, I learned that from Tony Robbins because if you look at him, always on stage, he's always has his chin up and he's open. That's that's how he can breathe, and he kind yeah. of bring he almost brings him up to his chin. Yeah, yeah. So spine straight, mm -hmm. palms up, feet grounded. That's already signaling the body language of mm. I'm safe. Now, how does one breathe when they're scared? Short. In the throat, yeah. Or they don't, or, or they, they freeze. Or they, or they don't. They yeah. hold their breath. Yeah, yeah. Good point. So again, if we want to prime the body with safety, we want to breathe as though we're safe. And so I like to always start with an exhale out of the mouth, blowing out all that stagnant air that you've been holding, <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. blowing it all out, all out, all out. Take so first deep inhale into your belly diaphragm super deep and then you just take those deep breaths again signaling to your body i'm safe and your mind mm. and the last part is occupying the monkey mind and tuning into a different radio station because something happens and that mind just fires off uh-oh this is danger don't open up pandora's box like this is scary what if it just goes off. And so instead, repeating to yourself, I'm safe. I'm safe to feel this. I'm safe to experience this. I'm safe to be in my body. I'm safe. And continuing to repeat it while sitting open, while taking those deep breaths, that's what starts to drop you into mm -hmm. your body. And then you just start scanning your body. Like, okay, notice, the, notice your toes and how they feel in your socks. Notice, you know, the, the, your, your butt sitting on the chair, 
um, your heartbeat, like anything to start to scan the body. Mm. And so this is a very important step in moving from our logical mind that feels the need to figure it all out and come out with a way to fix this, make this go away to being in the body and saying, okay, yeah, there's, there's, there's hurt there. or There's anger there. There's sadness there. Where do I feel this in my body? And let me observe it. Let me get curious. There's nothing to actually change or fix. That's the mind. There's just to be with this energy, this part, and bring curiosity and love to it. So does it have its temperature, texture, a size? Is it heavy? Is it light? And what's amazing is when you give it that much attention, the body knows what to do. So I'll give you an example. Ever cut yourself or burn your finger? Of course. And, you, and the mind says, go get ointment, go get ice, go get mm-hmm. a Band-Aid. Mm-hmm. That's not actually what's doing the healing. Mm-hmm. I believe that the reason there's such a strong sensation <laughs> yes. when you burn or cut yourself that so strong that you can't just let it be and ignore it because it takes your whole focus away that by design, it's that strong to signal to the nervous system, to the rest of the body, this part needs healing. So here we are now with these other hurts and traumas and things that we experience and we've learned to dissociate, to numb from it, to disconnect, to go to our head. Um, And so we've lost connection to that sensation. So now as you come back to safety and you observe it and its sensation body knows what to do. It knows how to heal. Our bodies are brilliant. I mean, right now, you know, if you just ate a meal, you're not really thinking about digest, 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 but your body's digesting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Your heart is beating Mm -hmm. for women that are pregnant right now. Those babies are growing and we don't need the thinking. And so that's what I want people to become aware of. And I know that those of you that are listening right now are hearing it as words and there is so much more to it once you experience what it feels like. But I've worked with hundreds and hundreds, thousands of times I've done this with clients uh, in getting them to get that in order to heal, you have to feel and feeling is not as complicated or as dangerous or as scary um, or as painful as our mind tells it, tells us so. When you, they've done studies on this at Harvard that you can move through an emotion, which an emotion is energy in motion, right? So it's that energy in 90 seconds or less. Mm -hmm. And you see this with children, with toddlers. You see this with kids that once they're given permission they're not being attacked by questions from mom and dad. Wait, why do you feel this way? Why are you crying? Why, 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 why? Which is the mind. And you're just like, it's okay. It's okay. I'm here saying you're safe. I'm your safety. You're here. It's okay. 
you see them, like I see this with my nephew, have a 90 second cry. And then he's like, okay, let's go play. He's over it. The reason that we as adults experience it longer than 90 seconds is because we're resisting it. We're not accepting it. We're not fully being with it. There's some layer of protector. There's some layer of avoidance. There's some layer of resistance. Once we've gone to our mind and we're up here or we're completely dissociating from it or stuffing it down, enduring it. And so I've witnessed this with clients that once they fully connect to it, fully accept it, 90 seconds, they can move through that anger, move through that sadness. Yeah. Now, go ahead. Now with something like, like a big T trauma, right. Which is, um, you know, to me, big T traumas are, you know, the, the, the abuse, the neglect, divorce, things like that. Not everyone's had that in this life. We've all had what's called developmental trauma where mom and dad didn't model to you, let's say, how to express your needs or how to set boundaries or how to put yourself first. And so you developed a behavior that is dysfunctional. We all have that, that we all do. Um, When there's something that's a big T trauma, like what you are referring to, yeah, you're not necessarily going to move through the grief of that in 90 seconds, but it it took 90 seconds or less for you to pop the lid off, Mm -hmm. for you to Mm -hmm. recognize this is it. Now there's a lot to discharge there um, because you've had to build a strong identity, a strong, strong protector there. Well, I said that sometimes when something like that happens to you, you know, which I see in, in clients from time to time, and then my own personal journey, there's so many layers of alcohol abuse or, or just fights or, or band-aids that I call them that, that even a, even a fucking death finder, even a fucking, you know, the thing on the beach won't find it until it shows itself. And the only way to do that is to get distance from it by your breath and your story. Right. And that's what Mark taught me is to, to write it down and, and reword it. And, and, and it, it wasn't until I took ownership of my part and stopped playing the victim that the seeds of change started changing. And, you know, I'd done all these things, you know, got married, bought my first house without my father. And it's not like I, it's not like he would have helped me in the area, but as a, just as a son, I needed it. Right. And, but, yeah. but ultimately, you know, I was doing an interview down in San Clemente and it, and Angelo said the problem with a lot of kids and adults is they don't ever graduate their relationship with their parents. Yeah. Yeah. I, the way I say is, and I, I took a client through this just yesterday on our virtual call. I said, uh, we all hold dad up on a pedestal because dad was the first love in your life, whether you're, you're a boy or a girl, your first experience of something outside of you, mm-hmm. that's not you loving you. And so we've also, I, I guided her through, um, taking her dad off the pedestal and putting her own little girl up on the pedestal. And, and with mom, it's, you know, mom's an extension of self. Mom 
We didn't Ooh, see mom as separate. I never heard that before because yeah. me and my mom can be in a room for three hours, not say a word and know exactly what each other's thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, think about it. You were in her womb. She was literally your life yeah. force for nine months. You come out, she's holding you. You don't know you're looking at her. You don't, you don't understand what she's saying, but what you recognize, what is familiar to you is the energy. Mm -hmm. Mom's energy feels like the energy you were just in for nine months. So to you, that energy, mom is me. I am mom. And there's no separation until you start to get to like age five, six, then you start to recognize. And so everything related to self is like, mom is your role model for self. Dad is the role model for love, relationship with others, the world, others. Everything outside of you. I know, I know. Oh my God, you're blowing my mind out of the back of my body right now. (laughs) Holy shit. I never even thought about it like that. Because like the whole thing is, is I I can just fucking broadcast it because my girlfriend will tell you in five seconds, you know, do you truly love yourself? And now it all makes sense. Yeah. That's why I know when I work with clients, they could tell me something and I'm like, yeah, so mom was like this, like this, like that. Like, how did you know that? Uh, how did you know? I'm like, cause this is, this is it. And I know it's not, um, it, it's not something that is out there so much in the self no, world that people yeah. see that connection. Because they're too busy uh-huh. plagiarizing other people instead of having their own thought. <laughs> no, that's for a yeah. separate conversation, but, but, yeah. but, but, but the way that you do, and I'll just, I'll step out of you blowing my mind and just be observant from the side for a minute. Your delivery is very peaceful and also frameworked to take in where you're not. Mm-hmm. It's not like you, like you get some guy, I'll just, I can tell you who they are because they're friends of mine. You get some of them on and even, even me who's open for everything. Like I'll leave the interview and I'm like, yeah, like, yes, but I, maybe that was like two here, but like, you're just saying like, this is, this is yeah. how you felt and, and that you put it in this. Now it makes so much sense to me mm-hmm. to, yeah. to play off those just, yeah. they're just different people. Like they're just, yeah, different they're different people. They're different energies. They could do the same exact thing. And how it impacts you is different because you view one as your role model for self and the other one as your role model for others and how to be in the world. Mm. Mm -hmm. And there is connection and sometimes overlap, right? Sometimes it's both. Sometimes it's like, well, what did, well, I think because my dad was like that. I'm like, yeah, but how is mom with that when it comes to it? And they're like, oh, so, you know, I have enough experience to help people identify it. Um, but yeah, going back to what we we're saying before, the importance of cutting the cord, you know, with dad, it's take him off the pedestal, stop needing his approval. Mm. And for mom, it's, and I tell people sometimes it's, it's, it's a physical, it's energetic, it's, it's um, visual, some way that you are releasing that cord. Whether I already you... know. I already know what it is for me. Yeah. What is uh, it for you? When my parents divorced when I was seventeen, um, I felt like I had to be the white knight to protect my mom. Mm-hmm. You know, like like she needed me to like keep her safe or something. I was, you know, beating that drum for yeah a long time. And then if I let yeah. her down, then it's like, 
well, I'm not doing what I was yeah. put out to do, but neither, like mm-hmm. neither parent needs that. They're, they're doing their own thing. They're living their own life. Same way you're living your own life. And ultimately yeah. everybody's, everybody's responsible for their own space and energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So helping people release that, you know, let, let mom and dad go and step into tending to your own garden, learning how to mother yourself the way that you always needed and wanted mom to learning how to, you know, engage with others and be in the world the way that you needed dad to model to you. Um, I I have a question for you. This is a little bit of a selfish question because you're super experienced. The work that you do is very, a lot of energy and a lot, it takes a lot out of you, I would imagine. Um, How do you, as what you do, how do you protect your own energy or or remove? Because the number one thing I'm working on is my, my need to help my clients is like, the top, like I want to help as many people as humanly possible. And my attachment to that makes it great, but it also rips my soul in half nine, 90% of the time. Like, how do you, do you, do you, when you, when you do those retreats, do you take a lot of time off afterwards to kind of like regroup? I mean, cause I would imagine those weeks, like, Mm -hmm. like you mentioned are super taxing on you personally. Well, so, um, I don't, I don't facilitate much of the, what we call healing seats, hot seats at the retreat anymore. Cause I have a facilitator okay. training. So okay. I have other people that I train to do that. Um, and the example I gave of, uh, the woman in my program, uh, that's cause I needed to jump in with that one. Um, but I spent, I, I led 26 retreats where I spent, you know, 15 hours a day. This was before COVID. Um, they were deep, immersive, six-day intensive retreats with six people. And, you know, I've years of experience of doing that. Um, but what I what I teach my facilitators in training now is um, well, first of all, you have to you have to clear your own vessel. You have to come and know that like you're able to be a clear vessel, fully present with them, because you've, you've dealt with your stuff. So like in my nine month facilitator training, the first three months they spend getting themselves to the next level of their own embodiment. Mm. So that's, first of all, are you, are you in what's called, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the book, the five personality patterns. I'm not, but I'm about to be. Okay. There you go. So one of the patterns, and we all have these and there's gifts and shadows to all of them is merging compensated. And it's where, um, you feel better by helping others. And so watching out for that and making sure that you come to it with not only a clear vessel, but a full cup. And my job is just to be a safe, clear channel. Mm-hmm. My job is not to get someone to healing. Um, and so it's it's subtly that. And then in the actual experience of guiding a client through, I yes, I've I've seen certain scenarios thousands of times where I probably I mean, me personally, I'm like, oh, okay, I know where to take this person. Da, 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 da. But even still, even with that. I still, my, my number one intention always is to get the hell out of the way. 
and let spirit work through me. Mm. So to always stay curious and never force. So you want to notice when you're working with clients, it shouldn't take any of your energy (laughs) because you're just a clear vessel holding space and letting energy just move through you. But I could tell when I'm training my facilitators, if they are leaning in, if they are trying to push their agenda and not agenda, but that they really think that this is, this is it. This is where you need, where there's so much of this like forceful energy. Um, that's where on the other end of it, you're going to be depleted because you gave so much of your own energy. So part of it is experience over time um, and how I train my, my facilitators who don't have that much experience. So off the bat, recognizing like energetically more lean back. When you think someone is stuck and you can't move them elsewhere, instead of leaning in, give them more space, lean back to see, let go more. I just trust. I mean, I've seen it so many times where it's not just me, like your guides, your angels are right here in the room. They want all this happening. And I don't need this to happen in order to prove anything about me. So for sometimes, sometimes it's that is that the ego is still there thinking that this has something to, you know, that, that if I don't do this, then I'm not a good enough coach instead of, um, this may be all that the person has the readiness and the capacity for today. So when you start a podcast and you're, you're <laughs> out here and you're, you're, you know, I've had, I, I, there's so much gratitude in my heart right now to have this conversation mm. with you because what you do, and, I, and I've said this to other people, it's art. It's not like I, I view it as art. There is a gift mm. and mm. you just put on a masterclass class. That, 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 I mean, I just feel honored to like, see somebody like, I don't know. It's just like, I'm really grateful because it's really cool. Like I take, like when I'm at an event, I'm almost watching the coaches coach more than I am like what they're doing because I love the, uh, I call it, uh, like a calm, uh, sturdiness to the coaching. There's no force. Like he ripped me, my soul apart. And he, I think he said 25 words in an hour and a half. Yeah. You know, exactly. Yeah. Well, you're Austin, you're doing the right thing. So I got to tell you for the first eight years of the 17 years that I've been in self-development, I supervised courses. I studied and watched leaders that have been doing this 10, 20, 30, mm-hmm. 40 years mm-hmm. and studying them exactly the way that you're talking about Mm -hmm. and coming out of it when I started that is part of what I brought to um it's part of what I channeled through like Mm -hmm. okay I remember when I started out I mean that was six years ago when I took my first paid clients I worked with people many years before that as like an apprentice So so you only so six years only ago training camp for the soul has been around for Holy wow. Like that is wild. Yeah. Yeah. And my first year was, you know, I did, I did six figures my first year and people were like, whoa, that was fast. I go, that was not fast. 
that was that was 10 years in the I put in the work don't, yeah don't don't kid yourself but I remember when I started out and I am miles away from there like whew, it's it, it's it's like it's like the iPhone right if I yeah. gave you the iPhone version one you'd be like what is right this now, you know what I was you, like, you know what I was telling like, somebody yeah. today have you ever tried our society so I listen to audiobooks at like two two three yeah. I listened to one the other day on one and I was like, is he talking slow? <laughs> That's exactly. you and your coaching. Yeah. You're at, yeah. you're at three X now. Yeah. And when I started out, I remember saying to myself and not just trust that those that come to you now mm. are ready for version 1.0. You oh. know, when I started out, no website, no marketing, no social media presence because I'm not a marketer. So I mean, to this day, I'm not, I have, you know, other people that do that stuff. And I, when I started out, it was God, if this is how you want me to serve, then bring Mm. me those that need my medicine. And that is how it naturally organically happened. And so I also said, and I trust that those that are coming to me now are ready for this version. And I know that there's clients that come to me now that six years ago, there's no way I would have been able to take them to that depth. And so there's no like waiting to be ready. That's something else I tell my facilitators. I go, it's going to come from putting in the 10,000 hours. You're going to get better and and you have enough. You know, you have enough when you are clear enough. That's why it took me 10 years because it took me 10 years to... Um, get the tools and the modalities that I felt that I was experiencing real transformation. <laughs> my, 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 my coach been in 14 years, 13 years. And he's been, he was begging me for like years to do it. Like, or like a year, he was like, come on, dude, like you would be ridiculous. I'm like, dude, I, I no, not, not a chance. And it was COVID. And a little before COVID that happened, I was coaching for free before that. And he's like, you son of a bitch. He's like, you are like in a year. He's like, you're already like where I was at like year 10. And I'm like, it's just like, I didn't choose this getting divorced, getting laid off COVID happening. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it chose mm-hmm. me. And mm-hmm. we're just now, like literally I had a conversation before this just now uh, getting an onboarding specialist, dialing in the framework, the systems, more professional, like the whole nine. And it's like, nobody was just like you said, nobody was upset with 1.0 Austin, but they're really going to love 5.0 Austin. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, we said to me, like, I was so nervous when I started, like, and I, and I coach a lot of coaches that want to be coaches, like uh, yeah. from the recovery space. And, um, I said, dude, I'm never, I'm never going to get any clients. Like, I don't even, like, I don't even understand. Like, I'm not going to get any clients. And he's like, Hey, you only coach what you've been through. You're fine. Yeah. And so the moment they get on the call with me, I'm like, Oh, victimhood. Got it. Did it for 20 years. Alcoholism done. Divorce. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I never feel because here's something they never talk about. And I'm sure you talk about it, it, it with your coaches, the wrong client can fuck up your whole shit. Like if the, if the energy is not there and you're doing it for the money, like I just dealt with this, I just had to let somebody go and it cost me a lot of money, but it was like, I'm just not going to chase you around. Like either you're going to show up, we're going to do this work. We're going to get in there. We're not. And, and it takes, God, it takes some personal freedom to do that. 
you know, to just say like, Hey, this is not, I'm sure that it happens. Maybe it doesn't happen to you. Maybe you just, your clients find you and it's all good, but this is something I've really been trying to drill down on is like, it's not so much is the client good for the coach? Is the coach good for the client? Vice versa. I think it's a, it's a mutual beneficial relationship. Yeah. One of the, I mean, integrity is our highest, I mean, my highest personal value and professional value. So um, it's part of why I didn't start my business 15 years ago. Cause I was like, I'm not there yet. Like I got to get myself there and um, do it from a, responsible integrous place so that's one thing the other thing is i train all my salespeople, like julianne to say this on calls let people know this isn't going to work for them austin repeat like uh, when i used to do i don't do the sales calls anymore no but but this is gold we might have to take we might have to take this off air but but this is gold i i could tell this is about to be good I, I would literally be on those calls. We'd be wrapping up the call and I'd say, Austin, repeat after me. This is not going to work for me. And some of them were like, what? This isn't going to work for me. And I'm like, this is not going to work for you. This is only going to work with you. I'm going to give you 100%. I've created a, a program that gives you everything you need. I've put everything into it. I'm going to show up 100. You show up 100, it's a, it's, it's a clear deal. It's just like a gym. You know, you join a gym membership. It could be the nicest gym, cleanest locker rooms, best music, newest equipment, greatest trainers. But if you don't show up consistently and you don't eat well, it's not going to work for you. And in that moment, I'm releasing the responsibility that like, I am here to change your life. When my clients say, thank you, you've changed my life. I'm like, give yourself a hug right now. Because all you did was just show up and use this opportunity wisely and take the tools that I've created. And I tell people, you want to thank me? Don't thank me with the words or a hug or an Instagram post. Thank me by integrating this and going and living your best life ever. Mm. Like Angelo Cisco, Angelo and Ryan, that's how they met. Dude, they we're in my first group retreat. Dude, but dude, true story. Ryan ago. Sprague is like my new favorite no. human. Ryan. Oh, you might not Ryan. have met him yet. Oh, you are you but, talking about? Oh, but Ryan? Ryan Sprague. Ryan Sprague is a graduate of my work too. Of course they are. Of course they are. <laughs> and we're all hanging out. Angelo's birthday is December eighth. Mine's December 9th. I know. So we're I, all. We'll probably. Well, well, Angelo and my fiance. The four of us are all who's, hanging out. As who's well. your fiance? Well, Edwin, but you haven't met him yet. So who is, so is Ryan, Angela's business partner, the ex-Marine in San Diego? Oh my God, Ryan's amazing. We had the best, when I was, (laughs) so I was in San Clemente two months ago for a week and I did Angela's podcast, he did mine. And then I met Ryan like, oh yeah, so awesome. So how they met, how he and Ryan met was they were both signed up for the same first group retreat I ever did September five years ago. Amazing. And, you know, they were different people then. And I am, I am a proud, you know, I'm a proud coach. I'm a proud mama for them taking the effort that they put in and not letting it just be a great retreat weekend, but mm-hmm. turning it into who they are today. So their wives did, did, did the next one together. So they're all connected. 
Um, so yeah, so again, my, my advice to those coaches out there that put a lot of pressure on themselves or tie their own worth in it, if you know that you are the embodiment of what you teach, that you are mm. living it, that you are practicing what you preach and that what you're putting out there, you've really poured your heart into, you've done your job. That's it. The rest is for you to let people, those that are attracted to you, know that it's not going to work for them. It's only going to work with them. You're not here to do it for them. And, and, uh, and to release control. You know, I, I definitely can see clients that did my program and, you know, they're going back to their old ways and they drop mm -hmm. the ball and yep. I wish them well. And I don't believe, and I just trust that, you know what, they were ready for whatever they were ready for. And they have the awareness and they could always come back around or they'll find the next mentor and that's exactly what they needed. Or they'll meet their future partner and the relationship is going to catalyze them there. Or they'll get divorced, whatever it is. I know I don't take it personal towards myself. Mm -hmm. Well, straight up, you're fucking amazing. That's there's really no <laughs> other words about it. You're fucking awesome. And thank you. thank you for caring about your craft enough to put your gift out in the world because this world's a better place for it. Mm -hmm. So thank you because you're thank fucking you. awesome. There's really no, no other way to say it. So I am, I'm blown away. Super excited. We got to have this conversation. If people want to find out about what you're doing, where you are, how would they do that? Um, if you want to connect with me, follow me on Instagram. I send a direct message to every new follower because I want to know why the hell are you following me? Who are you? And how can I support you? And if you're curious about the work, you could go to trainingcampforthesoul.com. All the deets are there. And you should do that, guys. And I don't, <laughs> I rarely say that, but trust me, as somebody who knows, you'll get what you need out of it. So, guys, if you like this episode, make sure you send it to somebody that will get some value. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Construct Your Life with Austin Lenny. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to start constructing your life by taking immediate action on what you learn. For show notes, resources, and more information on one-on-one -on -one coaching with Austin, visit constructyourlifepodcast.com.